Welcome to Inside the Crease, the podcast from Power Hockey Canada, dedicated to the Power Hockey community, showcasing the sport, the players, the coaches, and the unique and inspiring stories of life with a disability that break down barriers. Now, please welcome your host, Matt Vecino. All right, hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Inside the Trees, powered by Power Hockey Canada. Tonight, I'm joined by star defenseman for of the Power Hockey Canada. Oh, I don't know about star. <laughs> uh, joined by Alex McLean. Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, all right, so let's get things started. So uh, you've been playing Power Hockey since 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if my math is correct, but you're nine or ten years old at the time, so how I was you nine get, years old, yeah. Nine years old, wow, that's impressive. So how did you get involved in this sport? It was, it was a long time ago, but I think what I think how I got involved was uh, I think two representatives from the CWHA came to my school to do a demonstration about power hockey, and I wasn't really ever into sports as a kid. Uh, I would more like into video games and things like that and other things. Never really watched hockey until I started playing. But for some reason, just, I don't know, the concept of being able to go to a team sport and do something like that kind of interests me as a a kid. So I remember going home and saying to my my mom the pamphlet and saying, hey, I want to do this. And uh, yeah, I've been playing ever since. So when they came to your school, was it like a demonstration type of game? Did you get to participate at all? I don't remember. I think so. I think I had just gotten my power chair. Okay. So I think I, I like it was a long time. It was a long time ago. I don't honestly remember all the specific. Uh, I imagine I do remember. I think it was a demonstration. I don't know if I participated though. No, but totally. It's been I guess seventeen yeah. years now. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So obviously, it takes a lot of dedication to stay in the sport that long. What is it about power hockey that has kept you coming back for more all these years? Um, I think just since I started playing, I got more interested in hockey. I started watching hockey like religiously, uh, mm-hmm. being a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan, unfortunately. And uh, me too, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just have always had fun with it, and I still have fun with it. So I like going out every week to uh, to compete and play hockey and get to go to the tournaments, and uh, you know, also just hanging out with the friends you make there, which is why. Uh, I think a lot of reason why I still come and keep playing and why it's still fun. Yeah, totally. I like that you brought up the idea of sort of friendship. So how, how important do you think power hockey is for your social life? And I guess can you talk a little bit about the connections that you've made uh, through the sport? Oh, definitely. I think um, the connection you make through the sport for me, at least was a, you know, I met a lot of longtime friends through the sport and uh, mm-hmm. you know, not just from, our league but from other leagues across north america and even now in europe was uh and australia was you know just being able to connect with other para athletes and things like that uh, i think that's a really important it's a really big uh i think selling point for the sport that you do get to have you know especially for people with disabilities who maybe don't always get out and get to uh participate in a lot of the same things able-bodied people do mm-hmm. they get to go out and you know, have their own kind of uh, community, you know, you know what I mean? Like an athletic community that they can participate in. Totally. And I think the great thing about power hockey 
I'm not sure if you agree, but it brings people together that have a variety of different disabilities. It's it's not just like you're, I guess, paralyzed, quote unquote, like able more able-bodied uh, individual. There's varying degrees of capabilities and abilities in the yeah. sport. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know, with other you know sports that cater to people with disabilities, a lot of them are for really uh, physically able people that are just in wheelchairs, you know what I mean? Totally, you know, like totally. sledge hockey and wheelchair basketball take a lot of physical strength, physical strength that people like me don't have. So, you know, I think that's why the sport's good because you have people that are on the physically weaker end, but they're still smart and able to perform at a high level because they know how to play the game and they uh, are able to contribute to a team very effectively. I want to touch on the point you mentioned, uh, sort of the sport being uh, an activity that really anybody, regardless of their abilities, can participate in, and it's selling. So like myself, you have congenital muscular dystrophy. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how your disability has shaped your style of play um, and, and how you have used your abilities uh, to excel in the sport? Well, you know, my disability being a progressive disability, it has made me have to kind of change how I played over the years. Back when mm-hmm. I first started, I was like the offensive superstar, like scoring 100 goals a season. And uh, I remember those days. Yeah. And uh, as my disability progressed, well, then I couldn't do that anymore. You know, I could still chip in offensively, but I wasn't like, I wasn't that dominant. So I had to start focusing more on the defensive end. And now as I'm a lot older, I'm on the level three end of uh, level three being, you know, the physically weaker end of mm-hmm. of uh, a player in the sport. I have to now f- pretty much focus on, you know, using my brain rather than physical strength and try to figure out, you know, okay, where do I need to go? I need to read the play to kind of position my chair to stop a physically stronger player while still realizing that, okay, but I still do have some physical strength left and I can chip in at the other end. So you just figure out what play style will work for me. And I think that's what everyone needs to kind of figure out for themselves. So like, like you said, obviously the disability has progressed over the years. Was it hard to transition from more of an offensive dynamic player that was contributing offensively to more of a shut down defensive role? Um, yeah, I think at at start when you're realizing you know you're not that player you were, I think that's for any athlete really. Even when uh, you're at a level as high as the NHL, when you realize that uh, oh, I'm not the 50 goal scorer anymore, for sure. I'm the I'm the guy that's paying, getting paid one million dollars to play on the fourth line. <laughs> but yep. it's uh you know it's the same kind of mentality like you realize well okay but I still do want to play so I need to contribute at in a different way that would still make me useful to for the team. Like if I were just playing like trying to just score goals all the time. Uh, then I just wouldn't like there wouldn't be any reason for me to uh, I'm not contributing is what kind of what I'm getting at. No, I I totally get that and honestly commend you for adapting your game because in the beginning like you that you mentioned you were that 100 point uh, guy from playing you I I honestly think that that has made you such a shut down defensive player because you have that smarts and that knowledge. And now you're basically shutting down guys that were you in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's, that experience has benefited you 
on the defensive side of the game? I think a little bit, yeah. I think um, I think at the level three, my strengths are, you know, I wouldn't call myself like a shutdown defenseman. I don't think that I'm, you know, I still uh, I still have some weaknesses at that end of the game. I think more so I'm a better like two way defenseman. Like I can, I'm pretty still I'm still pretty good at like passing and getting the ball and things like that. So like mm-hmm. being able to support my uh, forwards and things like that. I think that um, you know, I think my experience, like I was saying, my experience as an offensive player, has still lent me the skills to contribute a little bit on the offensive end. Maybe not by scoring goals, but like helping out my players in the offensive end, or like passing or getting the ball to them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm still doing a little bit on the defensive end, but of course, there's still things you can shore up and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. I think what you mentioned in the beginning, there's always room for growth in everybody's game. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, I've played against you for a number of years, um, and I agree with this, but after talking to a lot of people, everybody seems to say, and I agree, that once the game starts, you're locked in. You're laser-focused. So where do you get this competitive spirit from? Cause like, like, me specifically, or like for everybody? No, you specifically. Uh, yeah. when, I, when I play you, talking to other people, we always say, Alice McLean is locked in. Like, he's focused, always driven. So where does that competitive fire come from? I think I've always just been a competitive person, even, like, things like at home, <laughs> playing board games, things <laughs> like that. I think it's just, it's been a very good, like, Power has been a very good outlet for that. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, like, even when I'm playing any kind of game, I always like to win, things like that. I, I uh, It's, uh, yeah, so I think just, Power Rocket being that outlet for a, a competitive nature, it helps me be uh, focused and things like that. And... Now, do you have sort of a pre-game ritual or anything that gets you locked in? Do you no, like jam that to music? No? No, I don't. I just, when the game starts, I'm just locked in. You're just locked I'll be, in? I'll, yeah, I'll be, I'll be like joking around or whatever and things like that before the game. But uh, it's just something like when the whistle goes, like there's one task. A switch, and that's, a switch like, to switch. Yeah. Love it. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so you touched on a little bit earlier uh, about how through Power Hockey you've made tons of relationships, not only in Canada, but in the U.S., uh, overseas as well. Um, and over the last number of years, you've had opportunity to play what, in the U.S., uh, in North American tournaments, uh, in Italy for the World Cup, and most recently in Australia. Uh, so you t- can tell me a little bit about those experiences uh, and the intensity that these international competitions bring to the sport. Definitely, like the, the international competitions are like completely different to what you experience in house league. You know, house league, every people want to win, but you know, everyone's friends, everyone's having a good time, mm-hmm. everyone's here to have fun, just have a night out and play a, you know, play a sport. Uh, when you go to these tournaments. Uh, that are international or over the border or things like that, you know, your teams are spending a lot of money to be there. So the the re, like you need to take that seriously as a player when you realize that these leagues are help, like paying like paying for this team to go to travel. The travel costs, the attendant costs, the accommodation costs. So like they're taking it seriously and they all want to win and they all want to win. Like when we went over to the uh, World Championships. In Italy, that was like for us. That was rough. Like they destroyed us. They they didn't 
care that we were new. They just want to win. And they, that was their mentality for every team. It didn't matter if they were playing the Netherlands, who were like the number one ranked team, or playing us, who were, were at the bottom. Like They didn't care. They were there to play their best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the mentality that, you know, now that we've seen that, that's the mentality like we have to have going to these tournaments, even if they are just, you know, an, an invitational, like visiting a team, like say we'll drive down to Michigan or something or mm-hmm. up to Ottawa. Uh, or if it's like a North American cup, that's the mentality we have to have. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously from following the tournament, the world championships, um, it seems like in Europe, there's sort of an accelerated model uh, in terms of power hockey in, 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 the, in the Paris universe, I guess. It's, it's maybe a little bit more refined, a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. professional, maybe you'd say, and, and, yeah. and yeah. organized. Um, so with Power Hockey Canada, um, do you feel that Power Hockey Canada is sort of poised to help the sport in North America take that next step? to be a more of a, an organized and international powerhouse. Definitely. I think uh, going over there and being exposed to it was a very good first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not you can get into the game differences or whatever and all the rules and things like that, but I think Absolutely. what the important thing is is that we need to emulate that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not change the game and not change the game into a European style game because uh, we're all very used to what we play. But the way they run things and the way their attitudes toward the game and their professionalism and their competitiveness and things like that, that's what you need to emulate. And I think by going over there, we've seen and we've been exposed to that level of commitment that they have. So now that we're back here in North America and in Canada, Power Hockey Canada can take that next step into helping push our game into that level of you know professionalism that the Europeans have. Absolutely. Now, obviously, some of our listeners and viewers aren't necessarily mm-hmm. familiar what, with what's going on in Europe. So can you give us some insight into some of the things that they're doing overseas that you would like to see implemented here in North America? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, they have entire committees and things like that. And, you know, they have these really, like, intense rule books that are pages upon pages mm-hmm. that are way more in-depth than ours. Not saying that the people who worked on ours didn't do a good job, they have. Uh, but, you know, there are next steps that we need to take. So I think we need to do a little more organization in, you know, at a national level and an international level uh, with, you know, teams from America and things like that and working on our game and coming up with things like a, like a, like a ranking system that is uh, like on paper and like, written down and done by third parties and things like that, you know, and uh, other committees and like selectors, just different things that the Europeans do that we should start doing. And I think that mm-hmm. it's not going to be like that overnight or it's not going to be something that we get done in like a couple months or a year. It's going to be a multi-year process. And I think that that shouldn't scare off people just because it is going to be a multi-year process. It might be like a 10 year process, but we should still start doing it. What do you think the biggest challenge is in order to get some of those processes implemented? Funds, money. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, it, I think if you ask any league what their biggest concern is right now, it's you know money and funds and how they're going to you know operate their league year by year. 
how they're going to pay for teams traveling to tournaments. Can they afford that? Or mm-hmm. uh, are they going to miss a tournament because they don't have enough money? What's the fundraising situation like? You know, with COVID-19 right now, it's not very good. Uh, and things like that. But, you know, in normal years, it's still difficult. And it's still uh, it's still a challenge. And I think that's the biggest challenge a lot of leagues here in North America face. Obviously, financial, like you said, it's a huge issue. But do you think that there will be a collective buy-in by all the leads in North America to to sort of reshape some of the, I don't want to say the rules, but the but there are rules, essentially, the, the ranking systems and the organizational structures. Do you think that leads across North America will buy into that? You know, I hope so. I think, uh, I think to uh, start moving forward, you need to get that buy-in from other teams. Uh, you know, I think other teams and other leagues are going to have you know, their ideas and concerns, and I think they should be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that uh, if we all work together, we'll be able to get the buy-in from everyone. Totally, and I think in order to really get the game and grow into the next, into the next stage and the next level, we need that buy-in and we need that commitment towards a more professional model uh, that's unison around the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, switching gears a bit, obviously, we've talked a lot about power hockey, but this podcast is also about getting to know our guests more on a personal level. So we kind of touched on it. You're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but uh, were you always a fan of the Leafs? Or were you always really into the sports or, or what? Uh, well, like I said, I wasn't really into sports until I started playing. Uh, but yeah, I was always a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. You know, they were the home team. Mm-hmm. You might as well cheer for the team that's, uh, that's you know, like closest to you and things like that. I uh, didn't realize that they hadn't won since, since 1967. Yeah. I uh, didn't realize uh, the, uh, the the sheer pain that being a Leafs fan is uh, with all the uh, great ways they lose in the, the playoffs, if mm-hmm. they ever make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, what, probably wasn't a good choice, but uh, the choice I made and I stuck with it. I guess leave in the hockey world for a sec, but not sports entirely. Um, you're a trained paralegal, and now you're back in school studying sports management. Yeah. Uh, why why the switch and do you see sort of any overlap in terms of how you can use your paralegal training uh, to your benefit in the sports management world? Definitely. There is actually a lot more overlap than I think people think uh, because a lot of sports organizations need to have like like risk management and like risk assessment and like legal stuff done and bylaws and things like that. So definitely, I think that uh, things I learned in my first, uh, you know, my first run of schooling was fairly legal and being a like and getting my license and things like that mm-hmm. uh, would definitely help in the future with the, graduating this program. And uh, I guess obviously, because there's clearly an overlap between the two industries. What sort of your dream job? Pie in the sky, the graduate from your sport management program two years down the road. Where where would you love to be? Still figuring that out. Uh, Still figuring that out. There's a lot of different industries that you can work in with sports management. Uh, Mm -hmm. Definitely, you can even work for like the city and Mm -hmm. like legal departments and working with like the rec and leisure part of the city of Toronto or the city of Mississauga, which is also close to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So things like that, uh, you know, might be a good place for me to go and uh, for me to focus on working on. Mm 
because of my prior uh, paralegal training and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. So, mm-hmm. so no, yeah, that's... probably things like that, yeah. No, that's a good plan. I think grassroots sports and mm-hmm. community stuff is very impactful, and you can probably do the most good. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely. Some- like one of the things we learn in that program is that the bigger the organization, the less responsibility you have. So mm-hmm. if you want to do something like and actually like have a lot of responsibility, you want to look at one of the smaller ends. Saying you don't want to work for something like MLS in a year, things like that. You want to work for like the small like. The smaller, like, uh, local hockey league and things like that. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, wrapping up a little bit here, competitively speaking, uh, I guess we're going to go back to power hockey a little bit, but uh, where do you see the Canadian power hockey system um, in the next few years? What What are your goals and aspirations, and where do you think we'll stack up on the world stage? World stage? A uh, few years, I think. Uh... You know, hopefully we go to the next world tournament. I think that's also going to be rough for us. Uh, I think we're going to do a little better, but uh, I think uh, we still have a lot to learn. Uh, as but um, I think after that, I think we're getting more and more realization of what we need to do mm-hmm. when playing in the international side of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we're doing better and better. Like when we went to Australia, we were definitely a lot better of a team than we were in Italy in Venice. Yeah, in Venice mm-hmm. when uh, we played against in the World Championship. I think the World Championship is a little, uh, little funny place for us to start. Yeah. Uh, but sure. uh, yeah, it, it opened our eyes. Pretty quick. Yeah. I think it was a, I think it was actually a good, uh, a good wake up call for what we needed to do. As for what we're gonna do here, uh, in a few years, I'd like for us to see, and I, I think we're working on, uh, you know, with our um, national war and things like that. Hopefully, maybe getting a few more leagues going up. Mm-hmm working on that and uh, i think that that would uh really expand the game here by giving us more players to choose from for an international sport and making canadian tournaments a little more competitive because there are more players and more teams to uh play against so i think that's where i would like to see i think i'd like to see a few more teams popping up in canada and seeing what's where they can go from there i think i think that's a great point like at the end of the day if you're going to draw the sport you need to grow it on the grassroots and have a larger player pool to draw from, mm-hmm. especially if you want to be competitive uh, on the international stage. You can't just yeah. pull some, I don't know, one or two or even three cities. You need a much yeah. larger pool of players. Yeah. Um, before we conclude, I see that inside the trees, we have a little segment that we like to call the six shot shootout. Now it's time for the six shot shootout. It's six rapid fire questions coming at you. So get ready. So I'm going to hit you with six rapid fire questions. And it's like, yes or no, or uh, like coach or Pepsi, like one or the other, this or that. Let me know when you're ready. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. All right. Movies or TV shows? Movies. Pop music or rock music? Rock music. Favorite artist? Queen. Ooh, I like that. Comedy or action? Action. Superman or Batman? Batman. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Good choice. Do you have a dog? Yes. Oh, you do? I didn't know that. What's his name? Or her name? Uh, his name is Shaney. He's a, he's a Shih Tzu and Poodle mix. Love it. Summer and, uh, or winter? Yeah. Sorry? Summer or winter? Summer. Me too. 
Yeah. I love I love the toll to the love. I don't think I don't think disabled people are really fond of winter. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say like I I like the things that happen in winter. Yeah. Like the hockey season, Super Bowl, yeah. Christmas, New Year's. But if I could have all that and live, I don't know, in California or Florida in the heat, I would choose that all day long. Yeah, I definitely don't like all the snow and the cold and things like that. Yeah, no, me too. We just freeze and get snot in the snow. Um, anyways, Alex, final thoughts before I let you go? I uh, no, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, taking the time out to do this. This was fun. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you for coming on, and yeah. uh, stay safe and stay well. You too. Thank you for joining us on Inside the Crease, the podcast dedicated to the power hockey community. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Visit our website at InsideTheCrease.com and follow us on social media at InsideCrease. 